Hello and welcome to Is Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Ad Astra, which yes. is a big sci-fi space movie with Brad Pitt, directed by James, directed and written by James Gray, yes. uh, co-written with uh, Ethan Gross. Um, and it's a film about personal themes writ large over the stars, like something like Contact or Interstellar, mm. a parent-child bond, a uh, search for a parent across mm. the stars. So, um, I really liked it. For the most I part. love it. I think it's a great, great movie. Uh, and I think part of it is because it's so unusual. So on the one hand, it is like this big budget movie, but you would expect a big budget space movie to have lots and lots of action. And whilst this does have action, it's not an action movie, mm. right? It's not action in space. It's almost like a kind of an existential movie about, you know, what is being, who am I, like... You know, and in the middle of it, there is like the search for the father and, and, you know, and subsequently like, you know, a kind of a kill the father thing, though, you know, also a save the father thing. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there's all kind of this this quest for the father in this film, uh, though, even that I think is is to me not really the most important aspect of the film. I mean, I really love the way that the film looks and also the, the way that James Gray, the director, um, directs, the way that he uses, you know, these very expressive kind of elements of mise-en-scene. So I think our first image of Brad Pitt in the film is like an image out of focus, seen behind glass, kind of slightly wavery, yeah, is what I remember. And then kind of, you know, pretty soon he's, he's he has this voiceover telling you, you know, how he functions, what he does, and... You know, and he says he blocks everything out, he compartmentalizes and whatever. And you have this figure, again, out of focus, you know, uh, who just kind of begins to walk out the door and leaves her keys. And just through that, you're just telling you, like, his wife has left him, right, mm -hmm. or is leaving him, right? And you're not even seeing, it's kind of, you know, it's all indicated through this use of, you know, a focus. Yeah, know. she's incredibly out of focus, very much in, in the background of the scene. In the background the of the scene, shot. yeah, and in the background of his life, right? I mean, it's that kind of expressive, rich mise en scène that this film has. And what you learn about Brad Pitt's character is he's an astronaut and an engineer, mm. and his dad, uh, who you see in the film, is played by uh, Tommy Lee Jones, yes. is the most decorated astronaut that humanity's ever had. This is set in the near future, so uh, there's there's kind of space exploration. Mars has been colonised. Uh, uh, the moon has been colonised and turned into like an airport with mm -hmm. a concourse and stuff. Um, so humanity is spreading throughout the solar system. And uh, his dad has not been seen in decades, but is this very well-known, very famous, very well-respected uh, astronaut and hero. And you have characters in the film saying, you know, this is, he is the reason that I got into doing this. Mm. You know, um, so like everyone uh, sort of loves him. Um Mm. I think what you kind of get is that the reason that Brad Pitt closes himself off emotionally is because he lost his dad. Mm. Um, he hasn't seen his dad. So this is where I think, you know, a relationship with uh, uh, Contact and Interstellar come in. It's, well, Interstellar's a bit different. Certainly, certainly, it's very much like Contact. Mm. The dad went into space and is no longer there and the kid had to kind of grow up without him. And um, so you feel Brad Pitt protecting himself emotionally. 
and kind of protecting his wife, but in a very ineffective way because obviously he's, he's alienated his wife. He's closed from. off. He's emotionally closed off to everything around him, right? And you know that's what he says. Like he he's make he makes being an astronaut his life, right? And the price of that is excluding everything else. Um, I think one only has to look at the final speech, which I think, you know, I think you groan, but I find it kind of you know a really lovely speech where you know he's always searching for something else and then and i think this is also kind of both um the world of the film and what the film says but it also kind of works kind of metaphorically right there is no other life in the universe we are all we have right so he proposes to kind of you know to be more involved and to look after kind of you know the people around him and to rely on them more so that they can look after him because you know, kind of, yeah, yeah, this is all we have, right? So, uh, I don't groan at the sentiment, but I groaned at a lot of the dialogue. Uh, I, I really, really, really like the film, mm-hmm. right? I want to get that clear. I think it looks fantastic. I think, I, I think it has, it has really a really interesting aesthetic, uh, similar in some ways to First Man, which I didn't like very much. I mm-hmm. like it more here. Um, so there's a lot that I like, mm. But there are times when it is very badly written. Can you give some examples? Because I didn't see that. Well, I can definitely give an example of of the scene where, early on in the film, um, Brad Pitt goes to meet a group of higher-ups in the military who want him involved in this mission to go and and Mm -hmm. make contact with his dad. Um, That's a scene where people are saying things that everyone already knows. You know, like saying things like you, "you waste your exams, you waste your tests," and the and the guy says specifically basic combat and like being a cool spaceman or something. And it's like the two things you see Brad Pitt do in the film are be a cool spaceman and do some hand to hand combat at one point. It's just setting up for the audience. Everyone in the room already knows that. And then they talk oh, about Brad Pitt, and, yeah. then, and then they talk about his dad, and they say um, the the uh, this this mission, this uh, Lima mission, which his dad was sent on to look for extraterrestrial life throughout the galaxy. Um, he went to Neptune and they say who was the commander of that mission they say it was my dad and they say yes and then they produce these three photos of Tommy Lee Jones put, him, put them on the table in front of Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt goes yes that's him that's for no one but the audience just to go Tommy Lee Jones is his dad well no because I, I, I actually I don't agree because um, the pictures play a role in all of that right and kind of you know and what you're seeing is um, Tommy Lee Jones, in a, in a way that kind of shocked me that an actor would allow himself to be seen that way because he looks terrible, mm-hmm. you know. Like, uh, and actually, when he actually does appear at the end of the film, he looks much better than in these photographs, right? There's almost something like cadaverous and, you know, uh, uh, leathery. Like he just looks like an, an ancient kind of monstrosity, really. You know, so so in the the dialogue well, is not appearing on its own; it's appearing in between these images. What I'm saying is, in that scene, there is absolutely no reason within the logic of the film for them to place these photos of his dad in front of him. They are there so the audience can learn Tommy Lee Jones plays his dad. Well, and not just Tommy Lee Jones, but Tommy Lee Jones in disguise. I mean, so I think I I didn't have any problem with that at all. I found that very very clunky. That is the one real standout in terms of clunkiness, but the um, the rest of it was something that I had to get used to. So there is this thing about Brad Pitt's character being very closed off emotionally, as we say, and he constantly goes through these sort of tests where he speaks to a computer, not unlike something like the baseline tests in Blade Runner 2049, mm. to kind of, which are there to sort of test his humanity. In this, they're to test his 
sort of um, space worthiness, like mm. mental state, um, where he talks to a, a computer system about what he's feeling. And um, the, the thing about Brad Pitt's character is he kind of doesn't feel. He asks himself in the voiceover at some point, why aren't I feeling anything? Again, I found very clunky. Like, the, a lot of the time, the emotions in the film through these tests and through the voiceover are like not allowed to be rendered subtly. They are done so in dialogue. It felt like the film was treating me like an idiot at times. No, I don't agree. But, it, but I did think it was something that I had to get used to because then when he kind of changes a little bit, learns that his dad might be alive and kind of explodes a little inside, that's when I, you know, I kind of thought it has to be like this in order for this to be effective. It has to be like that because for most of this film, you only have access to Brad Pitt, right? Much of the film is just close-ups of him alone. So actually, a kind of inner dialogue, you know, told in, in, in voiceover is one of the things that guides the viewer. It's, it's absolutely necessary because, you know, there's almost no people, right? Or kind of people appear very, very briefly, right? So, um, you know, this is, all, this is really like quite a one-man show, this whole movie. Sure. So, you know, I think I think those things are required. And, you know, I'd have to look at the film over again. But I think all of, all of those tests, yeah, um, convey something different at each different moment, right? Um, so I kind of, I don't know, I went with the flow of that. And really, kind of, um, I was with the film the whole way. And, and one of the things that I really loved about it is the way that it demands your entire attention. You know, because everything is so beautifully filmed, right? I mean, it, it, it has some of those, the most striking imagery that I've seen all year. And by beautiful, I don't just mean it's pretty that, you know, like that the light glistens on the spaceships and whatever. I mean that there's like kind of really original kind of imagery throughout. I mean, there were things that kind of, you know, just really um, struck me, right? Uh, so, you know, the reflections of the lights in the chase scenes of the astronauts in, I think it's Mars, right? That's Where, on the surface of the moon. Okay, on the surface the, of the moon. The, the moon buggies. Yeah, I mean, I thought that just looked extraordinary. Then there was the um, the studio scene, I suppose, where, you know, he's asked to, to talk to his father or to appeal to his father. They want to track his father and they think that if they use the sun, the father is more likely to respond. So just the whole design of that sound studio or radio station, right? Yeah, it's an anechoic chamber. Yeah. All that padding on the wall is there to absorb sound, absorb echoes. I mean, A, it's extraordinary. It's incredibly shot. And then it's very expressively shot. You know, so you have like the two people who are running the thing kind of, you know, shot through the window, right? So that kind of, you know, their, their face becomes kind of very menacing and kind of, what's the word? They're like bureaucratic and yeah, mm. uh, menacing. I thought that was like kind of absolutely extraordinary. Then there are those things where what do they call? They're not the detention room, but something comfort like comfort room. I think. The comfort room where they go into the comfort room, and then the walls become alive, you know, with like these images of birds or oceans or nature. Yeah, things that mm. remind people of Earth. But actually. The imagery constructed is very psychedelic. And one of the things that, I, that it made me think is, I wonder how much the film cost. Because, 
you know, you can see how these things are, are quite cheap, right? Like, you know, in a way you can, you can project these images and all you need is the actor in front of a, a canvas, really, yeah, or a, a green screen or something. And yet the effect is really quite extraordinary. Well, it made me wonder how it was done because because um, uh, it's not as simple as... Well, they're certainly not projected from the front because you get Brad Pitt's shadows on them. And there aren't shadows on these things. It's as though the walls themselves hmm. are making the images. Rather like... Um, like that Black Mirror episode, um, Ten Million Credits, I think it was called, where he, where the, the uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character lives in that room that is the walls are video screens, mm. sort of like that. Um, not quite as sort of obvious. So like, I thought maybe it was back projected. Then at one point, Brad Pitt punches one of the walls, which suggests it's made of like stone. Mm. <laughs> so you know, but it was a fantastic effect. And he's the first time you see it, he's sat there, and the the image that's being projected is um, of these two bees. And they're giant, you know, mm. compared to it, like either side of his head, and they're kind of, uh, fe- you know, feeding on a flower, or whatever. And they, and it's just a, it's a weird, wild image, and it has these image has this connotation of sort of the way that a dystopian future would, mm. you know, sort of placate you. Yes. you know, it's like it's a room that lies to you yes. about what's outside. Um, I th- I thought those those sections were extraordinary. I also uh, love the lighting, you know, throughout the film. Right, because I mean, a lot of the film is Brad Pitt in close-up, uh, and the lighting is incredibly harsh. It's all like, you know, this. Uh, um, it must have been massive lights, right? Uh, uh, without filter, projected through the side of his face, right? In a way that kind of brings out like every line, every sag, like, you know, uh, and and kind of makes you pay attention uh, to what's available for you to see from his face, right? Which is normally kind of quite partial. I love, I love the visual work uh, that's been done uh, in this film. It, it has a very, very distinctive look. And also I think very poetic, you know, like kind of it is very, um, you know, so there's a scene in which these, uh, not monkeys, but... They're yeah. big chimps, big um, uh, research chimps. Yeah, so, so basically they've cut loose you know, and um, basically they've eaten or they've begun eating, yeah, one of the astronauts, right? And kind of, you know, in the way that those images are shown to you, first with like the face is scratched, but then with a nose missing, mm. right? And then a limb that's been eaten away so that you, what you have is the bone, you know, and kind of, and presumably all of this done while the guy was alive. That is just kind of, you know, horrific and sad. And also, it kind of brings up this idea of, you know, the flesh and the human, and yeah, like, yeah, uh, mm. it, it's uh, um, so I loved all of that. I also think the film has a real critique of society, right? Because it's set in the future, but what is the future like? You know, it's it's just um, space stations. You know, but it's just space stations with subways and Apple shops and... Yeah, right. so the moon has been colonized and turned into a kind of interstellar airport. Mall. Yeah, yeah and, and <laughs> so it's like an airport, but it also has all the things that go along with an airport. It's got a concourse and it's got subway and, as you say, all these shops. It's, like, it's very striking imagery when you first look at the moon and you have this uh, imagery of, of the kind of spaceport and it has these neon signs yes. for the various shops that it... Fantastic. And also sad and... Mm-hmm. Um, What's the word? It it reduces everything to the same, right? It's kind of, you know, entirely commodified and soulless 
and isolating, mm. right? And actually, I think that's one of the things about this film that, you know, Brad Pitt is a man alone, you know, and and kind of, you know, so he's 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 just broken up with his wife and he's been unable to tell her that that's not what he wants. He later says, you know, I didn't tell you that I didn't want this to happen, you know, mm. that I wanted you to stay. <laughs> so, you know, he can't communicate his feelings. Actually, through most of it, you don't see anyone for him to communicate his feelings to because, you know, you do see other astronauts and officials and army people, but they're very partial. They come and then they go, or, you know, they come or they die, or, you know, I mean, one of the things I didn't get, for example, what is the Donald Sutherland character? Well, that's a, the, the first act of the film, I think, is terrible. And that's where Donald Sutherland turns up. And that's where they that's where that chase on the moon appears as well, which I think is a pointless scene. Mm. It's there because it needs a bit of action at that point, you know, like like it, I mean that really strikes me as a um as like a uh, a studio mandated scene. Like you can't go through the first act without there being something exciting. I'm not I'm not I'm not sure about that because one of the things that the film is trying to make an analogy about is with settlers or you know, how do you call, you know, those Americans who went west? The um a pioneer, the, 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 yeah, yeah, manifest no, destiny thing. A, it's a pioneer, right? <laughs> so there's something about you know Brad Pitt coming from a family of pioneers, right? And his mm. family's a pioneer, but actually now, so if in the 18th century you were a pioneer because you went from England to Philadelphia or whatever, right? Kind of now you're a pioneer if you go to the moon, right? Mm. Yeah. So I think the film is trying to make kind of you know connections like that, but what you find is that you're a pioneer and you go to the moon and what's on the moon? Subway. Yeah. <laughs> you could get your Subway sandwich and yeah. your pioneering stance at the moon. Well, I mean, I don't think that's where, if there is a pioneering thing going on, it's, I don't think it is with the moon because, I mean, the thing about the moon is, as you say, it's commodified. Uh, commercial space travel has become a reality yeah. in the world of film. Virgin Atlantic takes him there. But that's the only thing that is habitable, right? So what you see in the rest of the film is a progression to other planets, you know, from Mars to Neptune, and they're all uninhabitable. And in fact, that ends up kind of, you know, being that debate where, you know, his father basically has sacrificed everything and everybody else's life, in fact, you know, with this dogged determination to discover other life forms, you know, and then kind of Brad Pitt tells you, well, what he didn't realize is that, you know, his discoveries were in fact very important. Yeah, it is very important. Yeah, to know to, that we're alone. Know that we are alone. Yeah, right. Uh, or at least alone this far, you know, from Earth. So um, I, th- I think that something is 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 being, you know, the 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 film is playing with something with that idea of pioneers, you know, and piracy and you know, the riskiness of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, I'm not sure. So the, well, the people they that chase them on the moon. They suspect are pirates. You don't actually really know their identity, but there is talk just before going to the moon in that sort of um, uh, sort of departure lounge, if you like, mm. of uh, you know, kind of be, be aware uh, that the moon has no borders. Um, there is there's mining on the moon, and there are wars over mining on the moon. So just stay to the just stay to the airport, basically, is what right. you're kind of told. Going beyond that to get to this other place, they need to be on the moon. They have to traverse. Um, this sort of uh, uncharted uh, or um, kind of you know wild west type territory, yeah. And these pirates sort of chase them, and so I can sort of see what the film is 
going for there, but it did strike me as not. It didn't. Re- I didn't. It didn't feel like it was kind of speaking to the, like, the core themes of what the film was really about. Actually, no, I saw it. I, 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 th- I think it does. I mean, you know, again, I have to see it again to make sure. But I mean, for me, if if the trajectory is a, an emotional one for Brad Pitt, right, in which he finds out something, then kind of the world and what it's becoming is a necessary context for how he develops and what he becomes. And it's a world that has moved away from Earth, that has colonized other places. But actually what you have in other places is exact, structurally exactly the same problems that face Earth in our time or even earlier in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you have these colonizers and you have these huge corporations and what are they doing? They're just fighting for resources, right? So kind of people are risking their lives, but really it's just a struggle for resources and in which kind of you know, the wars are being fought with pirates and other kind of people out to make a buck. So, you know, in some ways, it's not this ideal of, oh, you know, let's increase knowledge and let's find out, you know, what what's in space. It really is just kind of like, you know, this base struggle for, you know, war for resources, um, which I think is important because actually that's not what, you know, neither the protagonist nor his father were working towards. Right. Mm. So I think, yeah, there is a sense in which the the, the big ideas. Are, certainly, when you meet Tommy Lee Jones' character at the end, the father, he's talking about these big ideas and how he had to leave people behind to pursue them, and how he had to kill the other people on the space station because they wanted to leave yes. and ruin his work. There's a kind of a Colonel Kurtz thing going on with him, yes. I think, quite deliberately, and also with the voiceover. You know, the apocalypse now sort of, I think it's doing that as well. Um, uh, but yeah, he talks about the the big ideas. And there is this sense in the in the in the piracy, for instance, that we just bring our problems with us wherever we go. Like we can't, right. our big ideas can't help us escape that. Yes. What to me is the core of the film is a feeling of loneliness. Yes. Which you kind of alluded to. Um, Brad Pitt is very alone, and he you know searching for his father across space, and um, and he ends up alone on that on that ship. You know where he, he inadvertently although not entirely unforeseeably, causes the death of the other three astronauts mm. who were going to Neptune. Um, and he is isolated within himself. He closes himself off quite mm. deliberately, but you also get a sense that like, it, it's it's not just that he... It's not just a deliberate decision that he makes to to separate his emotions from his work and that kind of thing. It's a consequence of his dad not having been there. And that's why, uh, upon discovering that his dad may be alive... His heart rate goes above eighty for the first mm. time, you know, and 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 he um, and then he fails one of those tests for the first time mm. because he's having an emotional reaction, mm. which I think, I, which like that, I think that that was a really effective part of the film. You had to see that coming, I guess, but I thought it worked really well, you know, that that it's a huge it's a huge job for him, and you realise he's he isn't alone, and all of a sudden he has he has to find his dad, and he believes like everyone else that his dad is a hero. Again, finding out that uh, his dad is not quite the hero that um, NASA sort of claims him to be um, that's you know happens sort of uh, around that time he finds out he's alive and then finds out that he murdered people mm. that's a huge shock to him um, the confrontation between them you know that speech and um, Tommy Lee Jones is so great giving mm. that speech where he says you know I never loved you like you know I never loved your mother right like blah 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 yeah. um and kind of you see this little tear trickle <laughs> from Brad Pitt's face and he says, I still love you. 
yeah, <laughs> yeah. In spite of yeah, like I yeah. kind of I don't care if uh, you know what you did or uh, whether you loved me or not. I love you. I thought that was like kind of wonderful. And then you know the way that it's kind of like physically visualized for you because you know um, Brad Pitt is so tender with Tommy Lee Jones, like putting on his suit. You know, just kind of it's it's almost like dealing with an old man in an old folks home, right? And and then of course kind of uh and spoilers by now I suppose. Um Tommy Lee Jones goes along with this, but then chooses not to and asks his son to let him go. Yeah, he wants to die in space. I thought all of that was like absolutely like wonderful. Yeah, it's, there's there's like there's like a Shakespearean level of like father son tragedy going yes. on in it. Yes. Which I think is great. And I know, and I think what I thought what you were going to say about how it's visualized is in that conversation where they first uh, reunite. Um, Brad Pitt has uh, has kind of boarded uh, Tommy Jones's space station, and he is below him in the scene. Tommy Jones is on a platform above him, and there's there's a there's like a grill separating them. Mm. Although I mean they're weightless, so he's not exactly on the platform, but and there's not exactly an up or down, but that is the way it's visualised, mm. you know, because of how they are kind of stood vertically, mm. positioned vertically. Um, and Brad Pitt, having, looking up to him, there is, this, there is this look of innocence and a kind of childlike mm. um, vulnerability to Brad Pitt in that scene, which he's I think great. is wonderful. Yeah. And he conveys everything so well, facially. Mm. As you say, so much of the film... Um, is close up on his face and also having seen it in IMAX digital with that massive massive screen they've blown up so so vast that's wonderful and you know and although I although I maintain that I think I have a slight trouble with how it um, renders every emotion sort of absolutely plain through dialogue it's also on Brad Pitt's face yes. and the way that and the way that his face comes into conflict with what he's saying sometimes, or that he you know, reveals that he's saying something that he may not, or he may be hiding something, that sort of thing. Well, there's all those layers, right? Because it, there's everything that you say, but also, you know, how it's how it's lit and designed and, you know, the, the, the extremity of the close-ups. I mean, kind of, you know, there are all of those things kind of going on simultaneously. And, you know, what, what he's saying, which, you know, is is sometimes inner thoughts sometimes it's a kind of voiceover narration mm. right so it's not necessarily speaking of feeling it's often speaking of situations uh, or things that need to be done but all of that is always kind of an interplay with all of the, all of the other elements and really um brad pitt is phenomenal you know i think it's great um and it's a film that kind of um I would like to think about more, actually, and I would like to see again because, you know, kind of you're you're absorbed in it. I mean, I was really transfixed by all the imagery, you know. I was just kind of like, yeah, hypnotized by it. Like, hypnotized is the wrong word because you're looking at it like you're, you know, you're you're trying to make sense of it. You want to know what it means. On the other hand, you're also thinking, oh my God, this is so beautiful, right? Or you know, kind of this is so expressive. And what is it, what is it expressing? Right, so there's a sense in which kind of, you know, the visuals are doing all the work for you, really. Yeah, and kind of you're absorbed in them and kind of you don't have the critical distance to begin kind of like, you know, tying them up together in, 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 in ways that kind of criticism often demands. So, you know, this is just kind of like a visceral response 
uh, through the experience of just having watched the film. But uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Do you not find it a little banal? No. I did. What's banal about it? I think the things it's getting at about the father and son and about loneliness and and who we are and what we should do. We are what and you know as you're always saying, what it is to be human. Mm. D- felt felt actually very um, conventional. No, the sort of well, things it was saying, kind of mainstream. And although it was doing it in a in a very beautiful, um, kind of tonally captivating way, ultimately left me feeling like I, I don't think we'll be thinking about this film for long. I think I will, uh, and I, and um, I think it's doing more complex things than you're giving it credit for. Uh, you know, because this is not just a film that's saying, oh, we're all alone, blah. You know, it's it's a film in which the world that it's depicted is one that's very hierarchical, that has a, a real lack of freedom, that is incredibly structured to an nth degree, you know, that is also entirely corporate and militaristic, you know. And, yeah, so the film does all of that. You know, and then at the end of it, it says, but I don't care now, you know, kind of, uh, you know, what I'm interested in is, is having a human connection, you know, and you can see why. And I think the film is doing kind of complex and interesting things, you know, with that. And more than that, even if it's not doing anything new, you know, it does so kind of very poetically. It, it does so very beautifully, very, you know, there's a kind, the, the way that it visualizes all of that. It's just beautiful to me. I think that's true, but, do you, but does that still not sound banal to you? The, it's you know, well, the, the, the militaristic, the, you know, the, sort of corporate hierarchical. But I, I'm done with that. I want to have a human connection. Okay, great, but that's that, that is pretty simple. No, well, to me, it's not simple, and also we're reducing everything to this to this message. Was actually kind of what the film is doing is it's using lighting and sounds and design, you know, and kind of you know Brad Pitt at his very best you know, to actually kind of convey these things. And kind of what it's conveying, I think, is kind of, you know, um, uh, more elegant and more evanescent and at the same time more acute than what we're saying about it. Maybe, yeah. No, not maybe. I mean, I think that's true. I think it is it, it is good, but I didn't feel during it. I didn't feel like I should, I think I, I wanted to feel... How you want how easy feeling? <laughs> you want you wanted for the button to be pushed like in those Pixar films and for you to cry. <laughs> I, I, I think the thing that were the things that were easy about the film were the things I didn't like. Like I said, I think the way that everyone is always just telling you what one say everyone. Brad Pitt is always telling you what he thinks. No, but the thing you know, is, the, the way his voiceover is constantly okay. asking these very very uh, kind of banal. Questions, you know, what the point when he accidentally, Nobody, kills, the, the when he accidentally pro- kills the three people and he's and then his first thing in the voiceover is, What have I done? I laughed, that's oh, a terrible line. Oh, come on, uh, no, it is. No, and you're I, reducing everything no. to dialogue. It's like what you're saying is what Brad Pitt says in his dialogue is what the film is saying. No, that's not and what I'm saying, but I think I think it is it's badly done though. That 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 aspect of it, but the point that I'm trying to get at, that wasn't the only thing I was saying, what I'm trying to get at is that. When it comes to the action, and not just action scenes, but the things that Brad Pitt does and the decisions that his character takes and that sort of thing, I want them to I want them to feel that they are, like I say, this idea of the the intimate internal story and things writ large in the action. 
Well, I didn't feel that. Well, I felt that, and I will give two examples. I mean, you know, the first one is the film begins, you know, with this explosion that throws Brad Pitt off this ladder that he's working on, and he falls into space. He falls to Earth, right? Mm. You know, and all his safety mechanisms have a flaw, you know, so he pulls up the parachute, and then the parachute tears, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and kind of, and he falls to Earth, right? I thought... You know, like, okay. amazing, you know, amazing on every level, right? Uh, and then, again, a kind of a similar kind of thing, you know, of like, kind of this loss of control, this falling of the self, where, where his, you know, his father runs off into space, right? And they're tied together, you know, and then they've got to separate and kind of, and just, again, you know, that image of you know, one thing going off into, like, death and space and the unknown, and then another one with grappling how to survive onto the next stage. I mean, those are beautiful things, and they're very expressive, you know, and they're kind of very metaphoric about life. I mean, you know, as, again, I haven't kind of quite put through an interpret a coherent interpretation together, but those two things really resonated with me. Sure. Fair enough. I found them banal. I think the film is very... <laughs> I did, I did. I didn't feel it, you know. I think, I think the film is very beautiful and the film has a real grasp of its tone and pacing and I think for a film that is kind of so insular, um, I maybe didn't expect it to keep my attention as it did, but it really did, mm. you know. Um, See, I was under the impression that you were quite annoyed at the beginning. I was for the first, like, act, basically. And then it won you over. Yes, it's, that's absolutely the case. It did. Mm. I got I, There were things that I got used to, and there were also things that just stopped happening. Mm. And, like, combination of that meant that I liked it much more as the film progressed. You know, once, once you get rid of the stuff on the moon, once you get rid of the stuff with Donald Sutherland that is... Yes, I don't get the Donald Sutherland stuff, but, mm. you know, um, maybe that will reveal itself more clearly on second viewing. Um, you know, once it became this more personal thing, well, but I think once once it, once the truth about the dad was revealed, I, I guess, mm. um, and uh, sort of Brad Pitt had more of a stake in what was going on for him, that sort of thing, I liked it more. I think it's a million times better than First Man, which I really liked. Uh, I think it's a great movie. I think it's a, it's like an art movie, really. You know, um, it's a movie I want to see again. It's like a real mm. filmmaker at work. Mm. You know, kind of very conscious of all kind of, you know, dimensions of, of filmmaking. It's really, really great. Um, you know, kind of some of the things are just kind of stunning. I mean, again, you know, I mentioned this at the beginning, but just how he uses out of focus, something of being out of focus mm -hmm. to not just, you know, not prevent you from seeing, but also to express something, you know, and to create a mood, you know, and a tone and, yeah, and, and really to convey, in this case, an important you know, plot point, really. So, I mean, I thought that was just kind of, um, you know, an extraordinarily skilled filmmaker with a poet's touch. There are two more things I want to bring uh, up. One is uh, God and religion and its various invocations throughout the film. Did they, did they occur to you? Did you notice them? Did no, I didn't. People... I mean, I only noticed them at the moments where people were being buried, right? So I did notice that people said, like, Christian things and then fucked them off the spaceship. Right, but so I didn't mm. attribute any more meaning to it than that. I, you know, I think this is a film that kind of I took to be as you know a world without God. 
Yeah, well, the question is then why why uh, is that why it is being kind of invoked so often? Because there are a number of occasions where I noticed, you know, like that when they take off from the moon to go to Mars, the four of them, and he's kind of pitching the lift, the captain prays to Saint um, Christopher. Yes. Patron saint of um, supporting actors. I know, but that, to me that was all just ritualistic. I mean, Brad Pitt never does. No, he doesn't. Um, um. Uh, I mean, I, I I can't remember the other instances really, but they are there, and they do, and they were deliberate. They weren't. They weren't. Well, I did. They didn't strike me as set dressing. I mean, no, it didn't strike me as set um, dressing either. But well, I'm trying to. I was but, just trying to make a sort of. Well, the only thing that I made out of it, it's like America now. You know, kind of. You know, some people believe, and some people just ritualize those beliefs and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, speak them without necessarily meaning or feeling them. You know, uh, so it is a world without God in the film. I mean, that's for sure. So yeah, I mean, I mean, praying to praying to Saint Christopher doesn't save the captain. He's the one who gets eaten by the chimp. That's right. Um, so so I mean, I just think that's just part of an invocation of a particular militarized kind of. Hmm. Uh, uh, it's more about culture. the way people think. That's why that. That's why they do it. Yes. Yeah. Then the question is like, it, I mean, it's it's obviously. I mean, it's obviously not a film that's. Um, suggesting that there is some supernatural anything going on it's about people that the, when people pray or when people talk about god in the film it's it's about them not about god and it's about it's the ritual um, it's about yeah. you know the the proper thing to do right you bury somebody you say a little prayer that doesn't necessarily mean that you know but that that would be a reason i would want to see it again because i want to think about that more because i don't have a good read on it but it, it it felt it felt extremely deliberate the final thing that occurred to me is how masculine it is um, uh, uh, and how male-dominated. And I think part of that comes with the territory. Um, I think kind of setting it in, in the military and in sort of space travel, I guess, has some connotations of that. It's always gone along with space movies. But again, something felt extremely deliberate about that. I don't know. I mean, I think it's true, you know, because the whole film revolves around Brad Pitt's face, you know. and uh, But I think it is significant that they make the person who helps him get on the ship at the sacrifice of her own life and in fact makes her a mirror image of him i her parents were also on this mission mm-hmm. and so on to, to make it a, a black woman yeah i think that's kind of a deliberate choice yeah you could have made that into a, another young man or whatever right yes uh, you could have had that character go either way. You could have made it into a man. You could have made it into a man Brad Pitt's age. You could have made it into a younger man. I mean, each of those choices would have created a different dynamic. So I think to make, you know, a, a younger black woman play that pivotal role is, mm. you know, it's, it's more than just lip service to that problem. You know, because the film could have been all men. I mean, um, it would be interesting to see, you know, how many women were in other kind of space films like... Mm. What's the famous one with um, Dennis Quaid and and Bacon and all those guys? Apollo thirteen. Uh, Apollo thirteen. Dennis Quaid, was, Dennis Quaid was in Apollo thirteen. Well, if he wasn't in Apollo thirteen, he was in something else. Uh, Apollo thirteen. The space guys are Gary Sinise, or well, he stays on Earth. Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, and um, Bill Paxton. Well, let me. Um, tell you. If Dennis Quaid's in it, then he's a he's a he's in. Um, Command HQ, whatever Capcom, but that's Ed Harris mainly. So, I think what the what this film does is, um, I think it equates a certain 
humanity and emotional openness with women. Um, I think that's why Ruth Negger who plays the the, the um, sorry the right stuff. Yes, yeah. I think that's why Ruth Negger who tells Brad Pitt the truth was cast. You know I, uh, that it wasn't a guy or something, and because basically what. what there are two important women in the film. There's her and there's the wife, played by Liz, Liv Tyler, mm. who you see very little of. You see her leave at the start and you see her come back, come in and reconnect with him at the end. Mm. Um, which, uh, again, it's like a first man-like thing at the end of that film is a reconnection back with the wife. Um, and that actually, that, that kind of, that struck me as kind of retrograde storytelling, to be honest. Not imaginative. Um, and... Why? Well, like to me, again, it feels... You know, it feels central. You know, he's let his wife go because he can't be open and connect and tell her anything about him because he compartmentalizes his life. You know, throughout this mission in space, he actually thinks more about his wife than he does about the father. It seems to me that kind of like reconnecting with his wife at the end is like entirely kind of essential. Well, that wasn't so much the the thing that I struck me as, I think it probably is essential, it wasn't quite so much what I was thinking of there as as the the way I think it kind of associates um, humanity and emotion with women, and that there is a sense of of the spaceman as a kind of uh, a wild west figure. I suppose not unlike the frontier that you were talking about, you know, the western hero as again closed off, and yeah, you know, any show of emotion is dangerous and that sort of thing. Well, that's true, um, though you know if you look if you push that analogy with the Western hero, you know, a lot of Western heroes were like very emotional and very volatile and, you know, and so on, right? Like kind of, um, you know, it's not just like this quiet, silent type, you know? Mm. Um, so um, I think it's kind of, I think here it's it's kind of, um, it's trying to say something about men, it's true, right? And, you know, it is kind of a large chunk of the film is about, you know, a man's relationship with his father. Mm. So, you know, it might be a question of accent or orientation. I didn't see it as a particular problem, you know, and kind of certainly what one of the things that's very interesting about this film uh, is, you know, he wants to connect with his wife because he realizes you know, she's the person who cares about him and he cares about her. And it's all entirely desexualized. He, you know, mm. he's not dreaming of fucking her, right? He's just kind of, you know, dreaming of having a connection with her. It's, and sex is never mentioned once. Mm. And I think, you know, that is incredibly unusual. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen it before, you know. I don't know about that. Well... Can In Apollo 13, it was just, tell my wife I love her, but it wasn't, tell my wife I want to bang her. Well, uh, uh, I, I, I'm going to look at that film again and see if there isn't some kind of, you know, dream of banging somebody in the film. And this one, there absolutely is not. Well, Kevin Bacon, certainly, in Apollo 13, is, is very sexually turned on, but he has no emotional connection to anyone, and he sleeps with Okay, some so girl. there you go. But this is, this um, is all about making an emotional Hanks, connection. Uh, so Tom Hanks is pure and virtuous and good and would never have sex with anyone except Meg Ryan (laughs) (laughs) anyway let's wrap this up I highly recommend that everyone see it it's uh, you know but it's it's not it's a demanding film yeah it's kind of it's really beautiful it's really rewarding 
Uh, Brad Pitt is absolutely great, you know, but it's not the kind of film that you can just lie back and wait for things to happen to you with, like, I think, you know, it, it requires you to be attentive and to make connections and to be active. Yeah, I think it's a pretty rewarding film. Sit on a nice big screen if you can, because that is a very rewarding. The, vi- the visuals, the, the 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 tone that all sets. Yeah, is and don't wonderful. wait for it to come on Netflix. This will look like nothing on your television set. I mm. mean, you really need to be enveloped by these extraordinary images to actually kind of feel what the film is trying to convey. And if you can hear that, it's a fly that uh, is trying to get out the window. Right. Thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on <laughs> iTunes, SoundCloud and YouTube uh, on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you. Cheerio. Cheerio.